Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Grand Lighthouse Coffee. Grand Lighthouse Coffee is the e-commerce business that sells certified organic fair trade coffee, either whole bean or grinded. Chemicals do not touch the beans and the farmers who grow the green coffee are paid and treated fairly. Coffee beans are made to order so you will get freshly roasted beans no later than seven days after being roasted. Grand Lighthouse also provides memberships for families and businesses depending on how much coffee you purchase per month. For more information and updates, Follow, like them on Instagram, Facebook at Grand Lighthouse Coffee or visit their website at GrandLighthouseCoffee.com and don't forget to use your promo code EastWest to get 10% off. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Grand Leyenda Tequila. This tequila knows there's no substitute for a great taste. This award-winning and organic tequila is handcrafted and comes in four different flavors. Grand Leyenda takes great pride introducing the world to organic tequilas that do not compromise quality. To learn more, visit GrandLeyendaTequila.com. Grand Leyenda, the official tequila of the East-West Football Podcast. Must be 21 and older to enjoy. Please drink responsibly. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. This is how it works. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over and under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Make sure you use promo code EASTWEST when you sign up and you'll receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of at least $20. Download Thrive Fantasy from the App Store, Google Play Store, or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Scouts over relied on heavily when evaluating talent. Teams should be drafting for the future and not just immediate needs. It all starts with the quarterback position. Thank you for listening to the East-West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Al, I couldn't have done it. I, I couldn't have done what Philadelphia did. I, I, I just Agreed. simply could not have done it. I, I, you've got men out there that are fighting their guts out, trying to win the game, and I'm not saying, not blaming anybody. I, I personally could not have done what they did. To get into the end zone here to take their first lead of the day. Dalton in trouble back there, throws it up for grabs, and it's picked! Intercepted by McKinney! For one to me. Gonna go deep. Down the middle of the field it is! the chance to host next week. 
Hit the upright and bounce through. Oh, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. Unbelievable. He hits the right upright. Unbelievable. Thank you for listening to the East West Football Podcast. I am your host, Fidel Barraza. Alongside with me, like always, Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley. What's going on, guys? Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to everybody, man. What's going on with y'all? Happy New Year. Wow, man. What a start for the entire East West Football Network. Thank you so much. Yes, and for the first podcast of 2021, on this show, we will have Trey Wingo, formerly of ESPN, and now he's just doing two different kinds of shows on YouTube, really well-known person. We had a great conversation with him. We'll have that later on the show. But let's go ahead and start with some headlines. So the NFL season just wrapped up this last Sunday. A lot of different things happened during Sunday. We saw a team in the Philadelphia Eagles kind of throw a game at the end to uh, ensure a better draft position. Uh, we saw Derrick Henry break 2,000 yards for a season and Tennessee winning a wild game against the Houston Texans. Let me just get your guys' thoughts on the last week in the NFL regular season. And my thoughts is the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we saw what they did um, last Monday night when they played the Patriots. And, you know, they they, they swept the season series against the Patriots. But then they uh, they come into a game week 17 against the Dolphins, and they didn't have much to play for. They won't, they won't get the one seed. They won't get a bye. And they rest their starts the whole second half, and they blew the Dolphins out a team that has something to play for it. This Buffalo Bills team is for real. I've been, I've been on it. You can ask me. I've been on it all year. Josh Allen is playing out of his mind. Stephon did. It seemed like that was a match made in heaven. And we can't forget about Cole Beasley. And this Gabriel Davis wide receiver, this guy, he's came out of nowhere. And, I mean, who cares about the running game to build that? I mean, they just throw it all around. They don't need a running game. Josh Allen is so good. And that defense, there was a Josh Norman sighting. That defense is playing good. The Buffalo Bills. Boy, they they are playing some good ball right now. I'm scared that I'm scared to heck about it. I'm I think teams would be scared of them in the playoffs. I mean, I think I think that you you said it well, man. I mean, in a nutshell, what a crazy way to end the season. Uh, aside from Buffalo playing lights out, and you know, the heavy favorite Kansas Kansas City Chiefs to win a back to back. I mean, look at look at just look around the league. But look at the mess, man. The NFC East. I, I mean, I hate to be, you know, that that NFC East guy, right? But for what the Eagles did, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say any more than that. But what they did, I mean, why would you do that to your city? Why would you do that to your fans? And why would you do that to your players? Yeah, I mean that we I think we can spend a whole podcast talking about the whole situation in Philadelphia that happened last Sunday night. Uh, I mean, to me, the biggest disappointment last weekend, the Miami Dolphins and uh, Tua Tungabailoa. I mean, obviously, we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick tested positive for COVID-19. He was not able to play in the game. And I was just expecting more of a fight out of these Dolphins, knowing what they had on the line to make it to the postseason. And just the Bills beat the crap out of them. Dolphins came out. They just played terrible, man. I mean, I mean, Dolphins, they, they had a lot to play for. I mean, see, the Dolphins... Right, they went to the playoffs this year or not. I think the season's going to be a success for them because, you know, two were young quarterback. And then they still, look, they, it was a chance they could have made the playoffs and still had the number three overall pick, number three or four overall pick. So the Dolphins got a bright future, but, I mean, they didn't show no fight against the Bills, and that game was over probably like the second quarter, midway through the second quarter. And Tua was a – he's been a turnover machine these past couple of weeks. He's been, he's been struggling. And I think if Fitzpatrick um, started a game for Miami, I think they would have had a better chance, much better chance to win. But he was out the game due to COVID or whatnot. But um, the Dolphins' future is bright. But I just said it's not a, that's not the way you want to end the season, though. Yeah, for sure. But I, I mean, you got to stop and you got to give props or props to do. That coach has done a phenomenal job as far as as turning around that team in less than two seasons. I mean, now they're a team that that every week comes in and people other teams have to respect their 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 game. The defense looks like it 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 has maybe one piece missing. But definitely you can see that Tua needs as much help as possible. You know, uh, right away, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're excited because, you know, this 2021 NFL draft is going to give them a lot of options with the number, number three pick that they acquired 
for that trade to the Houston Texans when they traded away Larry Tunsil to the Houston Texans. So I'll tell you this, watch out next year. They're going to make the adjustments they need on offense. And we're, we're going to be talking about a complete, a complete um, offensive, a, a complete offense on the Dolphins side. And I think that once you get that balance, now they're going to be able to contend seriously week in and week out. And I mean, the NFC East is just getting tougher and tougher, especially with the bills there. Yeah, and then also with the conclusion of the NFL regular season, we did see multiple coaching changes happen. Um, teams that are currently looking for a new head coach, Chargers, Jets, Jaguars, Falcons, Lions, and teams are also looking for general managers with the Jaguars, Falcons, and Lions. We did see today that Nick Casario, former, formerly of the New England Patriots, signed a six-year contract to be the new GM of the Houston Texans. Gentlemen, I know last year they had a conversation, and I believe there was maybe a fine or two that that happened with the Houston Texans. Uh, what do you guys think of this move? I think it's a great signing for the Texans. I mean, Nick Casario, former the Patriots, my New England Patriots, and um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great sign for them. He's, he's going to bring a whole lot of experience there. He's made he's made a couple. He's made some nice moves. The, the Patriots they haven't really hit in the draft, but in free agency and in dirt via trades, they. They've, they've kind of, if you look back at what they've done, they've kind of hit, you know, the Chris Hogan's of the world, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, I mean, you can go, you can, you can continue on down. They've made some, they've made some great finds in free and via trade. And Nick Casario, his, his hands was all in most of that. Him and Bill Belichick. And what Nick Casario did is he, he, um, he, he did a lot for the Patriots. And he had Bill, Bill, he, he allowed Bill Belichick to focus on the players that on the field and coach. And while um Nick Casario, he did more of like the in-house signings and just bringing people in like that. But I think um I think it's a great move for the for the Texans and um that tech that team I don't they don't have a first or second round pick if I'm not if I'm not mistaken I don't think the Texans have a first or second round pick in this year's draft they don't have a lot of cap that their cap is messed up right now so the Texans they're kind of like in transition right now so it's gonna be interesting to see how Nick Casario turns that team around. Hmm. Man, I think that when I look at any time that anybody's inquiring about a Patriots front office guy. Um, you know, you stop, you look at the big picture. It's, it's just, it's very sour taste that was left by Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Right. And, and, and then not only that, but you go back and there's been other disciples, right. From Matt Patricia. Um, I mean, there's the, the list goes on. I don't have to yeah. go too, too deep, but you know, the success, right. A lot of the success, it comes from coach Belichick, but I will say this, this is going to be a little bit more of an interesting uh, acquisition um, it's going to be a challenge so to say but if anything I think that he understands team building because he's been able to see that team building aspect from coach Bel- Belichick let's just hope that he doesn't trade in er- all his assets to you know what I mean make a miracle happen you know all you got to do is just trust your trust your scouting department trust you know the people that have done their work to to see about you know making proper acquisitions via trades uh via draft or even free agency right and i know that their cap space is not too friendly so we'll see it's going to be an interesting storyline to keep up uh next up would be a coach right yeah and i just want to read this tweet from john middlecoff a former eagle scout and a friend to the program and i quote text from league executive the team whose scouting staff is the least involved in the draft preparation of any NFL team produces the most directors, executives. Not to mention the team has had very little draft success. Hmm. So, I mean, a lot of question marks around Nick Casario. We'll see what he does with the Houston Texans. All right, guys, let's talk some playoffs. It is going to be super wildcard weekend starting this Saturday. And, of course, COVID has already made an arrival in the playoffs. Head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, and two assistant head coaches have tested positive for COVID-19 and will not be able to be with the team this Sunday when they play against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, Kevin Stefanski, that's, that's going that's to be interesting. That's going to be crazy. I mean, I seen some earlier, um, a great friend of mine in the media, Doug Gottlieb. We're trying to get him on the podcast. We're just a little teaser. But um, with Doug, he said that um, – if everybody else is working from home, why can't the Browns allow Kevin Stefanski to work from home and call the game from home? Well, so it's an interesting point. 
But um, that's not the you know there. But like I was saying, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens there. Um, I think um we had a, we had a talk pre-show, and I was like, I mean, the Browns they don't have to win this game. I mean, I think the season is a success if they just come in there and they just and they they play they play their hearts out. But I think if they get blown out of it. I think the season is still a success for the Browns. But with Stefanski not there, and then the Browns they've had a lot going on this week. You know, couple COVID issues. They've been out drag racing, doing doing some other stuff. It's just like it's not what you want to see from a team. No, and then. Baker, I think I think what, what what's going to happen during this game is still they're going to come in, and they're going to try to stop the running game, and they're going to try to force Baker to beat them. And, you know, the Browns, it, it seemed like they they gave out a gas. They played this past week as it was a playoff game just to get just to get in there. So now it's going to be interesting to see now this week it's actually the real playoff game. So this I want to see if the Browns can be ready. I think the Steelers going to be ready for. I don't want to pick the game right now. We're going to do that soon, but I mean I want to see how the Browns look without without Stefanski. I mean I seen a report um earlier said Colin Cowher he said. There's a there's a lot of pressure on on Baker Mayfield. He doesn't get a free pass because his because head coach is not there. It's a lot of pressure on Baker Baker Mayfield to play good. So you know we'll see. Yeah, uh, what a it's a it's a it's a big blow, right? Because I mean, they haven't been to the playoffs in 2002. Was the last time they went, they made a playoff appearance, and it was actually against the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Oddly enough, right? Yeah. Which is strange. But I mean, you you want your signal caller there. I mean. I'm I'm sure. Look, every team does it. They script out, you know, the first, uh, you know, they they script out the first twenty, you know, fifteen to twenty plays, mm-hmm. I believe, of the of the first quarter, and then they'll probably script out maybe five to ten games. So I'm pretty sure what he'll do is, you know, he coach the co- coach uh, Kevin. He's gonna have, you know, he's gonna have to be very creative as far as, you know, really getting the 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 play caller uh ready for situational football because when it comes down to the Steelers when it comes down to to I mean just situational football the Steelers find a way to win games so that's what this is this is just one of those things but hey man all all I mean it's it's a it's a good time to be a Cleveland Browns fan it's unfortunate what happened with coach I I mean I really do hope I from what the reports I saw is you know, he's doing good. He's feeling good, but you know, speedy recovery. And uh, let's just, let's just hope the Browns can put up a good fight. You know? Yeah. Quick trivia question for you guys. Do you guys know the last time the Browns made the playoffs who the quarterback was? Holcomb. Kelly Holcomb. You are correct, <laughs> my friend, Kelly Holcomb. And he actually pulled the upset against the Steelers, but anyhow. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, regardless of the coaching situation, there's going to be a huge weight on Baker Mayfield's, you know, shoulders, Yep. But the key for them to win this game is not Baker Mayfield. It's going to be that two-headed monster in the backfield. Let's mm-hmm. face it, that's the strength of the team is the running game and the offensive line. So, uh, I you know. one, one interesting nugget: the last time the Browns went to Pittsburgh this past regular season, it was not a pretty game. Now they did have they had Odell Beckham and they had Jarvis. Not, they still got Jarvis. Odell, he got um, he didn't get hurt that game. But he, he got, got blown out. He got blown yeah, they out. Got, and, well, maybe and, mentally in their head too. But look, it, it's a divisional game. It, it's pretty, you know, it, this is going to be the third time they played. And I know last weekend it was a close game, but still, I mean, look, the Browns just have to run the football. And that's going to be their formula to success. And also getting after Big Ben Roethlisberger. Let's face it, he's an older guy. He's a little bit of a statue back there. Miles Garrett gets back there, hits him a couple times. We I don't know. Anything could happen. Coming up next, the host of the Half Forgotten History podcast, Trey Wingle, will join us. Make sure you stick around. Whether you're flexing your faith or customizing clothes, Lambs of God Designs is a place to go. Check out the latest merch at lambsofgod.faith. Use the promo code EASTWEST to get 10% off your order. Now back to the show. Trey Wingo, thank you so much for joining us on the East West Football Podcast. How are you? Good, but I think you guys should be called the East Central and West Podcast. If I've got this right, Kendall's in North Carolina. We have Jeremy in Texas, and, and you're in the, the, what, the, the Valley in California? Yeah, Central Valley, but, you know, I represent the whole West Coast, so 
Um, West Coast, stand up. Let's go. <laughs> that's right. Come on, put your hands up. <laughs> hey, you know, real quick, funny story, uh, Trey. Uh, I remember when we, we first launched it, and I shared this on my Facebook page. One of my friends had actually said, hey, man, how does Texas fit into the whole East-West football network? And I was like, it's in the middle. There you go. It's the dash between East and West. <laughs> well said. I'm going to use that going forward. Thank you. Buddy. You got it, man. Well, Trey, we appreciate your time and joining us on the podcast today. Uh, I want to start off by talking about the NFL playoffs. So um, it's been a crazy season in the NFL. Uh, one additional playoff seat in each conference. I just want to get your thoughts on the teams that we have in the playoffs. Well, it's interesting, right? Because um, we've had now seven straight Super Bowls and 14 straight Super Bowl teams that have had the bye. You've either had a one or a two uh, starting in Super Bowl uh, 48. Uh, and there's only one team that gets the bye now, which is the number one seed, and that would be the Chiefs and the Packers. So current history would tell us that the most likely scenario is a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl, which you know would be great. It would be a rematch of the first Super Bowl, and you have arguably the best quarterback playing right now in Aaron Rodgers against the guy who could be the next, or I think will be the greatest quarterback of all time when it's all said and done in Patrick Mahomes. Um, but there's a couple of outliers there. You know, the, the Brady-led Bucks offense has been sort of up and down the entire season. But the last three weeks, they have been on fire. And Brady, for most of this season, has been one of the worst quarterbacks in terms of uh, completions and accuracy in, in throws of 20 or air yards or more. And the last three weeks, it's been incredible. Now, granted, it was one of them was against the Lions team that clearly was not interested in full participation, for lack of a better term. But he's played great. And then you have the Buffalo Bills now as the two seed. And I'm just going to throw it out there. They have scored 142 points, 142 points in their last three games. There is not a team playing better and more dominant football heading into the postseason than the Buffalo Bills. Now, you could say, okay, one of those games was against the Broncos where they didn't have any defensive backs. Absolutely fair. The other one went against a depleted Patriots team who realized they were out of the postseason for the first time since 2008 and didn't win 10 games in a season for the first time since 2002. I get that. The last game of the season was against a Miami team with a really good defense that had a win-and-get-in scenario, and they put a 50-burger on them, and it was such a dominant performance, they pulled their, most of their starters at halftime. I still believe the Kansas City Chiefs are the team to beat in the NFL, and I think they – that for, for lack of a better term, they've played with their food uh, most of this season. They get up on teams, have big leads, let them come back and find a way to win the game. You know, they, they won six straight games by six points or less. That has never happened in NFL history before. But that can, that can bite you in the ass in the playoffs if you're not playing well. Uh, I still think they're the best team because they know what it takes and they're trying to do something which is so hard to do, repeat. We haven't had one since Super Bowl 38 and 39 with the Patriots. But I would be very wary if I was Kansas City of Buffalo. And if I'm Green Bay, they went down to Tampa Bay and got their butts whipped earlier this season. Now that game would be at Lambeau, which would make it different. But Tom Brady, I don't know if you've heard, he's pretty good in the postseason. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, what team do you think can make a, a playoff run that a lot, not a lot of people are expecting? I know last year we saw the Tennessee Titans make it all the way to the AFC Championship game behind that yeah. running game. What team this year do you think has a chance to do that? You know, it, it's interesting, and this is going to sound crazy, but you, you go through the situation. Let, let's start with, say, Cleveland. You know, they're obviously dealing with a massive COVID issue. You're going to have your head coach not be able to coach the team in the postseason, which is like the most peak 2020 football season experience ever with everything that's going on. You mentioned Tennessee. Well, you know, their defense has been a real problem uh, all year. You know, I, I saw it. Can we trust them to come out of somewhere? Maybe. Indianapolis has been really up and down. Maybe. Um, this is going to sound crazy. And I don't think it's going to happen. But if you're asking me a team with a puncher's chance, right? The teams that I think have a puncher's chance, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous. But like if Trubisky plays the way he's played down the stretch and that defense is as good as we know it is, okay. I, you know, mir miracle scenarios. Sure. I could see them maybe surprising some people. The other one, you're going to laugh, but – we have the Washington football team, 
heading in there and going out of Tampa with a defense that is playing as well as any defense in football right now, as long as Alex Smith is healthy with that defense, I give him a puncher's chance. I don't expect it to happen, but would it shock me? We've had two other instances where we've had a team under 500 win a division. It was the, the, um, it was the Seahawks. Uh, and that was the beast quake game against the saints when they were defending super bowl champs they won that game and then we had the carolina panthers in 2014 or 2013 that won seven eight and one and beat the uh, beat the cardinals now to be fair that cardinals team was without carson palmer their quarterback who got hurt it was a backup quarterback and drew stanton obviously a much different scenario with tom brady but if you're asking me for someone with a wild swing at it those are the first two teams that come to mind wow uh, great answers yeah, yeah actually you know i've heard uh, chicago couple times this week about you know if this team you know if Mitch doesn't turn the ball over and just plays the way he's been playing that they have a chance to beat the Saints at home yeah I mean yeah and the the Saints are look Drew Brees is not right we all know that Uh, he looked a little better against Carolina but you don't just recover from 11 fractured ribs in three weeks it just doesn't happen that way Um, and he even before Drew got hurt his accuracy was an issue this year now they hopefully get mike thomas back uh who missed the last couple of games of the regular season and missed most of the regular season but you know that offense has not been in rhythm outside of alvin Kamara for the entire season so you know stranger things have certainly happened um and i'm i'm really curious like my my preseason pick was the chiefs over the saints because i believe this season in, in all its weirdness would favor teams that had uh stability Stability at the coaching position, stability at the quarterback position, and a, a veteran team that knew each other pretty well. Uh, I, I, I think I would if you if you if you gave me a mulligan, I would put, certainly put the Packers in there right now. But at this point, I'll stick with it because it's still alive, and I would look great if it happens. Thanks, Trey. Going on, Trey. At first, I want to thank you for joining us today, man. No, thanks for reaching out, man. I appreciate it. So uh, happy to do so. Sir, first, I want to ask you what I mean, where has it been like since you left NFL Live? Like, what you missed the most about NFL Live? Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, I have a lot of friends that I was with for a lot of years there. Uh, Mark Schlereth was one, Teddy Bruschi was one, Herm Edwards was one, Ryan Clark was one, you know, Damian Woody, Tim Hasselbeck, all those guys. That's what I miss. Uh, I, I miss like the reason we start launching our podcast now have forgotten history, check it out on YouTube and Spotify and Apple and all those stitcher and all those places you can get podcasts is because some of the greatest conversations I had with those guys and the guests we had on the show never made it onto the show. Like we would talk about it in the green room or we'd go out somewhere when you could go out somewhere at the Super Bowl and dinner and have a cocktail. And they would tell me these great stories that never made air. And I'm like, man, we got to get these stories out. We got to get these stories out somewhere. Um, so, so that's what I miss more than anything else. I, I miss, I miss the time that I had all those years with with people that were not just coworkers, right? There's there's three kinds of people you work with in a company. There are people that are your coworkers, there are people that are your friends, and there are people that are your boys. And those guys were my boys. I mean, like Herm Edwards and I, I can't tell you all the trips Herm and I made everywhere. And uh, when when he left to go to Arizona State, first of all, I was so happy for him. But I, you know, I admit there was a hole in my heart when Herm left and then you know the year before Mark left to go do stuff for Fox so that was hard uh, and, and that's what I miss I, I miss like Herm and I would always go somewhere and he called me his road dog because he'd come up here because he lived on the west coast and he'd come up here and do something he's like Rody Rody where are we going out today and and we'd always go somewhere and go play golf or do something and he looked at me and he'd say Rody when we're having a good day say Rody someone had to be us today might as well be us and, and that was sort of the the nature of our friendship and it's kept up even though he you know he's he's now at Arizona State I still go out and see him when I can but honestly what I miss more than anything is that time with guys that were not just co-workers or friends but dear dear friends of mine that you worked with sometimes three four five days a week for 15 years Yes, that's very good there. And I remember every year in April where there's time for the draft and you do a you did a tremendous job covering the draft, and especially this past year, but you know, with yeah. that was going on. I think you I think that's probably one of your bet. You you've had a bunch of them. All of them were great, but I think this past one with the current state of the world at that time, I think it was great. I think you nailed the draft. So I just wanna you I wanna wish you good luck on that. You did real you did very well with the draft every year. Well, I appreciate that. And and it was interesting, right? Because I think the draft came along 
when nothing was happening and we're all sort of dealing with the reality of holy crap everything is shut down you know yeah, yeah. the nba canceled the season then the nhl canceled the season then major league baseball was put on hold not canceled postponed uh and then the NCAA tournament stopped and that was all within a matter of 48 hours so then we were left with this void and free agency went on in the nfl but literally nothing was going on i mean we were replaying stuff on espn at that point monday night football games from 2008 2009 whatever now, part of that was fun. You got to see a bunch of old stuff that you remembered. Oh, yeah. But the draft at that time, it was sort of like a release point for so many people because the COVID thing was, we were just understanding how devastating it was. And it was like, oh, thank God, a live sporting event. And it was, it felt cathartic. I, I, the best way to describe it to a lot of people is like, hey, this thing is happening. We found a way to make it work. And, and just so people get an understanding 53 days before the draft, we had everything set up in Las Vegas. We had this incredible remote stage. We had this incredible layout. All this was going to happen. And it came to a crashing halt. And within 50 plus days, everyone behind the scenes at ESPN and NFL Network, because we all were one team this year because of the COVID thing, pulled this off. And it was a remarkable achievement. And it wasn't just me. It was the directors. It was the producers. It was the, the uh, field producers that were able to pull this thing off with so many remotes. It was a, it was a really, it was a marvel of collective teamwork and technology, because if this had happened two years ago, probably wouldn't have been able to do it because technology is where it is today. We were able to pull something off that I don't think any, anyone thought was actually possible and I am immensely proud of you saying that because not only what it meant for what I was able to do, but all those people that nobody knows, the research department, uh, you know, the Vince Massey's, the Evan Kaplan's, uh, all, all these people that I worked with uh, for so many years at ESPN uh, that helped me along the way. Uh, and, and all, nobody knows their names, the Brian Riders, the producers, the Jeff Nelsons, the directors, the Rob Adamskis, the Seth Markmans of the world who behind the scenes, who is, runs all our NFL stuff at ESPN. They, they were all Jim Carr, who does amazing research work for us on the draft. They were able to pull this off. And, you know, I had the easy part. I was out there doing what I would normally do. I was on camera on a set, talking to people. They were behind the scenes in a building in Bristol or somewhere out with some of those kids wearing masks the entire time and still managing to pull it off. So the way I looked at it, I had the easiest of all of those things. And what those guys did was absolutely remarkable. I appreciate it, Trey. Will said. Thank you, sir. Hey, Trey, it's Jerry again. So uh, <laughs> um, how, how are, I mean, are you going to be a spectator this year for the draft? I mean, we need to hear you in some form or fashion for the, for the, the upcoming or for all the drafts upcoming. Yeah. Well, I, I promise I will be a spectator, but I will be more than a spectator. I, okay. I, I, I can't say definitively where I will not be a spectator, okay. but I can promise you I will not be a spectator. That, that's, that's the best way I can say it at this point. Awesome. That's like, that's good to hear, man, because I'll tell you this. I appreciate that. That 2021 dra uh, NFL draft is it's going to, I mean, it's already making a lot of noise, of, of obviously because of the quarterbacks that are coming into this draft class, right? But I don't think I would want to envision not hearing you announcing the names or, or being a part of it in some capacity. Well, um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's move along, right? So um, let, let me ask you a couple of personal questions, I guess, right? Um, I guess if you can, right? Who are three people who have been the most influential to you? In terms of the profession? Yeah, profession or, yeah. or your family, if you... If you well, I, I, I would have to say, yeah, let me just start with my dad. And, and for, for reasons that you guys probably don't know, my father um, was a journalist, uh, a print journalist. Um, from, he grew up in Texas, in San Antonio. Shout out to close to where you are, yes. just a little north of Harlingen. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he grew up uh, in, in San Antonio and went back to after he graduated from Baylor in the 50s. He went to work for the old San Antonio Light newspaper at that time. And then he decided at that point, you know, I, if I really want to get into journalism, I need to go to New York because New York City was the epicenter of journalism. And now, of course, you can be wherever you want to be wherever. But so he left my uh, my mom and my sister and took a train up to New York, 
or maybe he drove up to New York. I don't remember. He might've driven up to New York, got a room at the YMCA in New York city. He had one name on a piece of paper at a place called the time life building in New York, which is no longer the time life building because time and life sort of moved on and done different things, but it was the main hub right there on sixth Avenue, right across from radio city music hall. He walked into the lobby and said, Hey, I'm looking for so-and-so. And the receptionist said, Oh, well, he's not here. And my dad was like, okay, thanks very much. And he started to walk out. And this woman who he does not know who she is said, wait a minute, are you looking for a job? And he said, yes. He goes, well, that's not the person you need to talk to. You need to talk to this person. If that woman had not stopped my dad and said, you're looking for the wrong person, you need to talk to somebody else. He might not have never gotten the job that he got, which was an in-house reporter for an in-house publication for the building. And three weeks after that, he got a reporter job for Life magazine. And then a year after that, they shipped him out to Los Angeles, where he was covering things on the West Coast for Life magazine. And then in the late 60s, they told my dad, we need you to be the bureau chief for the Vietnam War. So we moved to Hong Kong for three years. And he covered the, the he covered the Vietnam War for Life magazine. And then we moved back to the States in the early 70s. And then Life magazine folded. And they kept my dad and two other p- uh, editors. And they said, we need you to come up with a new magazine for us. And they came up with something called People Magazine. And it, it, it will go down as the most successful magazine launch in history because nobody's launching magazines anymore. <laughs> but it, it was a smashing success. And uh, when I was a kid in elementary school and, and middle school, whenever he had a teacher in service day, I would go into New York with my dad uh, and help him out, you know, running copy or whatever. And I realized at that time that my dad had a cooler job than most of my friends. Like, you know, they were bankers or lawyers or dentists or doctors, whatever. And I didn't know it at the time, but he was sort of teaching me how to do this stuff. And he was sort of telling me, Hey, take this copy over here. Talk to him about this when I was 10 years old, you know, and I just, I thought the idea of him being able to tell stories was really cool. And it just planted a seed in my head that I would like to do something like my dad did. And, and I, so I would have to start with my father uh, in terms of that, just for that and also just for being a great dad. Um, you know, as for other people I, there, that influenced me, um, there were several broadcasters that I really admired growing up and watched and thought, hey, I, I would like to do things the way they did them. One of them was Bob Costas, and, uh, oh, wow. who just was, was at NBC forever. And before I got to ESPN, I actually worked in St. Louis for six years. And Bob at that time was in St. Louis. And for whatever reason, he lived in St. Louis at the time. We just sort of hit it off. And I'll I'll never forget, there were several times where I was a very young sportscaster. Bob Costas went out of his way and said, hey, I really liked what you did there. Or, you know, that you did that right. And that meant the world to me. And like the the first time I ever got a, got on at ESPN in 1997, I was on the ESPN news shift, you know, two to four in the afternoon on a Saturday, who's watching. I got a call from Bob and said, Hey, I just want you to know, I watched your, your show and I thought you did a really good job. And this is what I liked. And I was like, that meant the world to me. You know, first of all, what the hell is he watching on a Saturday afternoon when he has better (laughs) things to do, but he would take the time not only to watch, but to reach out. So that Bob will always be someone for me that I really appreciate by the, not only the way he handled the business, but also uh, the, the way he took the time to reach out to someone who he had no business, you know, it wasn't going to help him in any way, shape or form, but he, he did it. And when I was working in St. Louis for a local TV station, I was working for a guy named Mike Bush there, who's still there. Uh, and he taught me really how to, how to, uh, how to be a reporter. You know, it's one thing to be an anchor and read highlights and be funny and glib, but, but he taught me how to really be a reporter and say, look, find stories that are interesting and do these things. And uh, I'll never admit this to his face because, you know, he's a jerk. I'm kidding. <laughs> but we, we have a love-hate relationship. But he really taught me that. Like, you know, he really taught me how to go about digging for stories. And like one of the things that because of what he did to me or, or taught me how to do things um, the St. Louis Cardinals were sold by the brewery, the Anheuser-Busch Brewery, Budweiser, in the 90s, which was a big bleeping deal in St. Louis. And we got the scoop before anybody else because of the way that Mike had sort of taught me to, to do these things. And Jack Buck at that time was still alive and doing very well. And he was the play-by-play voice for the Cardinals. And I was about to do a live shot from the brewery right before the big announcement and we had beaten everybody on the story. 
And, you know, Jack Buck had this old gravelly voice. And I remember him sidling up. I didn't see him. I'm getting ready to do my live shot. I'm nervous. And I have my camera and my, my microphone in front of my face. And Jack Buck sneaks up behind me and whispers into my ear, way to go, kid. You scooped them all. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was cool. And if Mike hadn't taught me how to do that kind of stuff, that probably never would have happened. Wow, man. I mean, that's this is this is stuff that we probably would never know about Trey Wingo right here. So thank you so much for sharing that, Trey. Uh, yeah, no worries. It was fun. Yeah, that is fun. Um, let me let me. OK, so help us out. Right. So yeah. put, put put yourself in our shoes. OK, <laughs> so what would you have asked yourself that we did not? That's a great question. Um, you know, I. I I, I, I don't know if I can answer that because at the end of the day, I, you know, I'd, I'd have to do more research on the show and everything it's about, but look, I, I guess I would always want to know what, what you asked me, I thought was great because I, I think there's this feeling out there that if you see somebody on a certain place for a long time, that, oh, that's just where they've always been. And that's, you know, how it goes. It's never easy. Like my first job was in Binghamton, New York in 1988. I was a one-man bander on a local TV station that didn't have teleprompter. I had to shoot all my own video, edit all my own video, do all of that. Uh, And our our studio had a tin roof. And whenever it rained, all you hear was, (laughs) it was awful. You know, it was just terrible. But you, everybody goes through that stuff and everybody needs help from somebody. Like I, when I hear somebody say, oh, he's a self-made man. I'm like, that person doesn't exist. Now you can, you can be determined and, and you can have, the drive to succeed. But if someone doesn't reach down and give you a helping hand, you'll never get to where you want to go. And there are so many people that along my journey have reached out and lent me a helping hand that I want to make sure that I can do that as to as many people as possible. Because, you know, there's Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian has a, has a great line. You see everybody on the way up, on the way down in the long slog to the middle. And, you know, just be nice to people. And if you can help them, help them. Because odds are at some point, the interns will be the presidents. You know, <laughs> like, I, like one of my jobs, one of my first jobs in TV, I was, a, I was a page at NBC at 30 Rock in the building. It's like I gave guided tours of the building. I don't know if you ever watched the old 30 Rock show on NBC, but Kenneth, the guy in the blue blazer, that's what I did. You know, I, I gave guided tours of the building and, and uh, you know, worked behind the scenes on Saturday Night Live and all this other stuff. And, and now I was able to do what I've done in my career. And one of the guys that I was an intern with, and you'll appreciate this coming from Harlingen, he's now the president of the Houston Rockets. Oh, wow. His name is Tad Brown. He's the, he's the CFO and the president of the Rockets. Uh, and, you know, we were interned pages together at NBC in New York in the late 80s, and things have worked out okay. Well, thank you, Trey. I mean, you, you, you have me speechless here, man. <laughs> Don't ever be speechless in this business. Oh yeah. One. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Hey Trey, just want to, you know, just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can catch up with you soon. Uh, anytime, man. And check out half forgotten history on uh, YouTube, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever shameless plug. You'll enjoy it. Yes. Make sure you guys check it out and also subscribe. Most important. Boom. Subscribe. And the rating five star. There you go. Right. Thank you, Trey. <laughs> Coming up next, we will give you our picks for Wild Card Weekend. But first, a word from our sponsor. Whether you're flexing your faith or customizing clothes, Lambs of God Designs is a place to go. Check out the latest merch at lambsofgod.faith. Use the promo code EASTWEST to get 10% off your order. Now back to the show. The NFL playoffs officially start on Saturday with the Super Wildcard Weekend. Starting off on Saturday, you'll see the Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. What are you guys' thoughts on this game? Boy, this is gonna be a good one. It might might be I want to say the best one of the week, but it's gonna be a good one. I think Colts got a good defense. Bills got a good offense. 
this defense kind of coming on and Stefan Diggs and and um Josh Allen is kind of like a match made in heaven. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills only because they're hot. I think it's going to be a late turnover by Phillip Rivers. I think the Bills are going to capitalize on it. I'm going 31-27 Bills. Wow. So, uh, I mean, yes, we, we cannot deny Colts have a great defense, uh, but they made the Steelers look really good. Mm. On the second half, yes. Recently. So, yeah. you know, I, I like – the, I really like what the what Matt Eberflus has been able. Did I say that right, Kendall? Yes, Matt Eberflus. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Just so you know, um, Kendall likes to fact check us once in a while, and I say <laughs> fact. So, anyways, um, uh, so going back to it, I like I like the principles. It's very disciplined defense. They 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 know how to shoot the gaps. They know how to get a hat on a hat. And like I said, they know how to hit the gaps hard and they play hard. Uh, but there is, it, it does, it just, that defense needs some kind of way to evolve kind of similar to what Robert Sala did. You see, cause with Robert Sala with the 49ers getting off topic, you know, he was, he's heavy cover three scheme, which that Seattle cover three scheme but what he did was he was able to incorporate a lot of stunts, a lot of different different nuances to the defense, which has made that defense in the last couple of years one of the top ranked defenses. Uh, I know that this year they took a uh, you know a couple steps back with all the, all the losses to injury. But going back to the Colts, if that happens again, I'm sorry the Buffalo Bills are going to completely demolish that defense, and I am picking the Bills in this game. I am going to pick the Bills as well, but I do believe this is going to be a very close game, and I would not be surprised if the Colts are able to come up with the upset. All right, next game, Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Jared Goff's status is still questionable, but I do not believe he will be playing in this game due to that broken thumb that he had surgery on last week. These two teams just played not even like, what, like two weeks ago? And um, it, it was a very close game. The rounds, they held tight there to the end. They just couldn't get the offense going. And just this, this crazy, crazy enough, that's the game Jared Goff hurt his um, thumb. If Goff was 100%, I would go with the Rams. I think Goff is going to play. But I don't think he's going to be 100%. He's going to be a little rusty. He's been a turnover machine this year for some reason. But if there, if it was a healthy Goff, I'd go with the Rams. But with, that being said, with, with, with all that being said, I'm going with Seattle in a low-scoring game. So I'm like 17, this, uh, I'm going to go 13, 17, Seattle. Yeah, I'm not betting against dangerous Russell Wilson. Yeah, I like Seattle as well. All right, this is going to be our Saturday night football game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team. Hey, uh, Hey, this is a good game. Don't don't sleep on this game. Don't sleep on the Washington team. I think it's gonna be a tight game. I know Tampa Bay, what Tampa Bay, as some people like to say. Tampa Bay. It, it's gonna be a pretty good game. And they're they're clicking on all cylinders. They're getting high at the right time. I know it hasn't been the best competition. I know all that, but this Washington defense is good. They're fast and get the scary part is they're young. And Chase Young, he put out some bulletin board material earlier early this week. He said he wants Tom. He's coming for Tom. So and we see, we know how to, we know how to work it out. We know we know how to always work out. Tom Brady loves bullets to more material. I'm gonna go ahead with with all that been said. I'm gonna go with um the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going twenty three to sixteen. I mean, when I look at it, the Buccaneers always. I mean, they feel like the safe bet, right? And a lot of it it, it goes back to the quarterback. And I mean, oh man, when you compare Alex Smith to, I mean, I look phenomenal year by Alex Smith. Uh, Comeback player just, of the year for sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. Amazing story. What a fighter. Uh, I mean, I just hope that he just infused so much faith and 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 just hope and faith into so many young young men that are trying to make it in this game, or you know, whoever. Even even if you even if you're if you're not trying to make it in the game, maybe you had a big setback in life. You know, hopefully this you can use this story. Um, 
Oh man, I'm kind of leaning towards the Bucks, but I will say this: there's just something about this Washington Redskins game that just—it it just looks like this could be a trap game for the Buccaneers. But give me the Bucks. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, it could be a trap game, but I mean, my question is: is uh, the Washington football team going to be able to keep up with the Bucks scoring wise? I like Tampa Bay. Give me the Bucks. Just don't. I just don't think the Washington has enough pieces on offense. I don't. I think they they missing a lot, and they, you know they do it. They get they get all that next year free agent in the draft for the next season. But I just think I think if Washington had like Dallas offense, but with their Washington defense, I'd go Washington. But I just think Alex Smith he's too conservative. He's not even one hundred percent. He's oh, I like to call him check down Alex Smith because he's always throwing check downs. But I just I think uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with Tampa with with the uh, with the score I got. I just don't think Washington has enough offensively. All right, and then now for the lineup for Sunday. First game, Baltimore Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. This is actually a rematch from earlier in the year, and Tennessee won in overtime. I've been on this Baltimore Ravens train for the past month, and the guys will tell you I've been on it. I said, if Baltimore gets in there, you do not want to see them. I'm going Baltimore. Tennessee have beaten Baltimore the past couple of times, uh, and the ball bounced the other way this time. Guess what? Baltimore is on the road this time. I think um, they've beaten both the time they beat Baltimore, they was in Baltimore. So I'm going, I'm going with Baltimore, and they are, they are dangerous. I'm, I'm riding with the Ravens. I'm riding on it. I got family up north up there in Baltimore. I think the Ravens are going to win. It's going to be a tight, close one. It's gonna get, this game's going to get chippy, too. I'm going Baltimore, close game, 30-27. <laughs> well, they, they've won the last two, right, Baltimore? If I'm yep. not mistaken. Yep. What about the Titans? No, no, no. The Tennessee Baltimore. beat Baltimore twice. So la- earlier this year and then last year in the divisional round. Yeah, but I'm saying I think Baltimore is coming off two winning. Uh, two four, it's a four game, four game win streak. Oh, I'm sorry, four game winning streak. Yeah. So, I mean that anytime you come in with that kind of winning game streak, that that that's a hot team. So when you look at it statistically, or you know what, let's not even look at it statistically. Let's just look at it like offense versus defense, right? What do does does the Titans have what it takes to stop you know the uh, the the Baltimore offense and vice versa? So does the Ravens have a defense that can stop Derrick Henry? Because what did what did you just say earlier in the game about Derrick Henry? I mean, early in the pod about Derrick Henry. He yeah, won. he's he's rushed over two thousand yards this year. So uh, I'm not gonna bet against that. I think when it comes to the playoffs, especially with, I mean, you never know with these kind of weather, what what kind of weather we're going to have. Uh, both both teams are outdoor. You don't know. I, I haven't been able to check the actual weather in that location. But I'm going to go ahead and put this on Derrick Henry's shoulders and I'm going to say Titans. Yeah, you know what? I, I just love the Tennessee Titans. I really do. Um, yeah, you do. The, 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 coach? Question, the, the coach, the running back, the quarterback, the receivers. My only question is the pass rush and the lack of it. I mean, we just saw last week they had a hard time uh, given it was, it was against the Sean Watson, right? But still, um, that's my only question about this Tennessee Titans team. Uh, but with that being said, uh, the Baltimore winning streak ends here and Tennessee will beat them Sunday. All right. This might be the most intriguing matchup of the weekend. The Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints. Start with Karen. I mean, Kendall. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everything gave me wants me to go to Chicago, man. And me and Fidel talked about it pre-show. I want to, but I said, you know, at some point, you know, the Saints, they've had, you talk about tough luck. They've had some tough luck the past couple of years. And um, shout out to my dog, KJ Johnson. He's a big time Saints fan, but I'm going I'm to go with I'm everything. I want to go to Chicago, but I just, something tell me that the ball's going to bounce the other way at some point. The Saints, they're not going to keep you having these, these late game miracles happen to them. I'm going with the Saints in this game. And I think it's going to get ugly, too. I think they're getting Michael Thomas back. They're getting Alvin Kamara's back. Mr. Trubisky, I think he'll give them a couple balls. If They just got to catch him. He'll throw you a couple balls. You just got to catch him. I'm going with the Saints, 33-13. to 13. Big. Saints going to roll over the Chicago Bears. I don't really like it, but I'm just going to stick with it. I don't like it either, man, but I'm going to go with the Saints on this one. Yeah, I mean – as much as I want to pick Chicago and pull and root for the upset, I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. I think this uh, New Orleans Saints defense is pretty good, especially at home. Mitchell Trubisky, we know what Mitch is. He, I know he's been playing lights out these last couple of weeks, but 
Um, now, if Chicago does win this football game, the keys are going to be the running game and the defense. We, we know what the Chicago defense is, right? And let's see if they can get some pressure on Drew Brees. Uh, he's not 100%. No way he is. Um, out, of but, game, out of all the games, as it's, it's as we can, I think this game has to, has to make him of it can either going to be an upset or I think it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, but I mean, I can't, I can't pick against the Saints. Not in this game. All right, and our Sunday night football matchup. This is this might be the best game of the weekend. The Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. <laughs> this is probably the hardest game to pick, honestly. Yes. It's, 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 it's a good it's going to be a tough one. It's crazy cuz they just played last week. So it's kind of like the Browns, they had to win that game to to get in. So it's kind of like they laid everything on the table. They laid everything out there for that week. So now do you have enough gas in the tank to come back to, to get on the get on the plane? Well, probably a bus because it's not that far from Cleveland to Pittsburgh and drive to Pittsburgh. Whatnot. It's just kind of like they played their playoff game last week and they won it. So maybe the Browns are kind of fat, full, and satisfied with just being in the playoffs. So I'm thinking I'm going with Pittsburgh on this one. I do think it's going to be close because divisional. I'm going Pittsburgh. I'm going to go 23 to 23 20. Yeah, on this one, uh, man. It's tough, man, because, you know, it comes down to defense and running and your running game. And can your quarterback make that tough pass, um, you know, to win the or, you know, when he needs to make that tough pass. And when you look at it on paper, the Browns are trending in the right direction. You know, uh, they got two um, two great running backs. I mean, I mean, once they get going, they can't stop. But, man. The, not having your coach right there in the sideline to get you out of a twist or a bind. Oh, man. You know what? I need to get a little wild. I need to loosen up here. You know, I need a little shot of Grand Leander. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Give me the Browns. Kendall. What you think, man? <laughs> I said, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going Steelers, man. You sure? You staying with Steelers? I'm going. I'm staying with the Steelers. I feel great about it too. I think the Browns played their game, played their playoff game last week, and they laid everything on the table just to get in there last week. I don't think they will have enough fuel this week. Not so fast, my friend. Give me the Cleveland Browns to up to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, Pittsburgh's running game has been pretty much non-existent the whole year. I know they're dealing with some key injuries. You got Kareem Hunt. You got Nick Chubb back there. Uh, Browns offensive line has been playing great. Now, I know Baker Mayfield is not a veteran quarterback, but he's he has a couple seasons under him in the NFL. So I'm pretty sure that him and coach, they already know, like, all right, he feels comfortable with these plays. This is what he doesn't feel comfortable with. And I think they're going to they're gonna have a master a master plan as far as the, the, the game calls go. And I like the Browns in this game. Real quick, y'all, y'all don't think Stefanski not being there is going to have any bearing on the Browns? You don't think they're going to struggle with nothing? Well, that's where the preparation is going to come into play. We'll see how prepared they are. I'm pretty sure they're going to be zooming all the way until yeah. game day, right before should, kickoff. Should be a good one. I'm well, I mean, sure he's going to be zooming right in the halftime, too. Well, the interesting thing is this is going to be the third time they're playing, so they, they've seen a lot of these looks that Pittsburgh's already given them. So I think that's not, you know, what some people don't take that into consideration, but also vice versa. So we'll see. Great point. Yeah, and that's going to go and wrap up our picks for Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. And that's going to go and wrap it up for this edition of the East-West Football Podcast. For all your latest news and updates, make sure you go to eastwestfootballnetwork.com. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and also our new YouTube channel, eastwestfootballnetwork.com. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast 
where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.